It's time to sink into deep thought and cushions. This is Philosopha Talk. I am your host, CJ. Today, we have another awesome episode based off our theme of the first season of Aristotle's Living Well. Today, Jeremy of the Infinite Rabbit Hole joins us to discuss mental health and podcasting as a form of mental health therapy. Jeremy, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I've been on Infinite Rabbit Hole with you a bunch of times, and you've been on other works of mine, but I'm actually really excited to get you in on this one so we can dig into your thoughts on a more personal level. So thanks for hanging out with me. Yeah, man. No, thanks for having me. I, I don't know where this one's going to go. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'm, I'm here for the ride for sure. I just don't know how deep we're going to get. And, uh, I mean, mental health has always been a very important topic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, who knows, maybe there, there might be some things said tonight that'll, uh, be the first time I've ever spoken about it on a public forum. So we'll, uh, we'll see where that goes, man. It's crazy that you mentioned that because I was just on Unexplained Inc. and actually told publicly my whole uh, deity experience story for the first time. I am actually, dude, I'm probably just a little over halfway on that episode. I listened to the one that you did with him on this, on this show. Right. Um, And uh, by the way, man, in the, the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the episode you do with Phil on his show, I just got to say, dude, props. Props, you know, the, the story the, of the, the crap that you went through. And it, it's crazy, man, because everybody knows that the stuff that you went through, the stuff that you did takes balls. Like, it takes some real guts to do. Uh, but it's, it's, such a, it's such a hard thing to reach deep inside yourself to do. And, uh, dude, good job, man. I'm proud of you, bud. I appreciate you. I mean, you've been through quite a bit yourself, especially with your career in the Navy and, you know, getting through all that and then coming out and, uh, well, coming out of the Navy. <laughs> yeah. There was a Navy joke in there. Um, yeah, yeah, there was. <laughs> but, uh, and then especially like, like with your Sasquatch story and stuff growing up and how that affected you and then how it transferred into infinite rabbit hole. And, you know, personally, like I deal with chronic depression and anxiety. Uh, Those are my uh, mental health illnesses of choice, I guess you could say. And um, I found a lot of different ways of dealing with that throughout my life. And um, I know you kind of deal with some similar things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously we've all had our past and, and whatnot. Uh, it got really bad for me in the Navy. And uh, I'm at the point right now in my life where I wake up and I take uh, seven different pills, all different shades of white. And uh, it sucks, but it helps. And, uh, you know, the first thing that I'm going to say here to anybody that's listening that might be fighting with uh, some form of mental health uh, it, it is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. Um, if I didn't, I might not be here. And it's, it's very hard to say, but at the same time, I found it best to just be honest. Don't live with skeletons in your closet when it comes to this kind of stuff. Be honest, because it honestly took somebody else to be honest with me 
about how they were feeling for me to realize that it's normal. Um, I, f- I feel like there's, there's more out there in the world today when it comes to the state of mind that people, people just don't understand that mental health would nowadays with just the way society is and, and the way events are happening and everything, mental health is, is the norm, you know, to have some sort of issue is the norm. And, uh, the people who are, that don't have any mental health issues, those are the ones that are rare. They're, you know, good for them. Very, uh, very happy and proud for anybody who can live their life without a mental health issue. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, there's this stigma that mental health issues mean that you're weak. And that's not the case whatsoever. Uh, You're part of the majority. And there is an entire industry and working class of people that are there to help you. So, I mean, I, I, I know we probably started off a little strong there, but that's, uh, that's like the biggest thing that I can say when it comes to mental health. But yeah, man, the, there was an event at the, uh, the end of my career. Well, I wouldn't say the end of my career, about a year and a half before the end of my career, uh, something happened. And, uh, without getting into incredible details, um, just to kind of give everybody an idea of what exactly might have happened uh, in the vaguest sense. I I witnessed somebody commit suicide um, in a very, very public manner. And um, it destroyed me. Absolutely destroyed me. Um, uh, Before this event, my life sort of had this uh, this issue where I was just being surrounded by the topic of suicide. Um, my grandfather committed suicide. Uh, Dad found him when he was younger. Um, I'm not going to go through every single instance, but I did eight years in the Navy and knew 12 people who killed themselves in the Navy. Um, and then also while I was in, in the Navy, um, my nephew also took his life too. Oh my God. Um, and he was a kid. He was young, very young. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a, he was a great kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great kid. Um, so when, uh, when I actually watched it happen in a very loud, um, way, it was, it was very, brutal i'll just say that um i mean all the all the minor issues that i had with mental health became major issues with mental health um which eventually led to my medical discharge um a little bit over a year and a half after the event actually took place um yeah and now i take pills every single morning every single night uh yeah you know honestly like what you said before like you you said we started off heavy there but i i don't think it i don't think it was that heavy i think when it comes to dealing with things like that the first thing that anybody should do is to be reassured that reaching out to another person um really is uh 
paramount to beginning that healing process because as people, in order for us to live well, we need to live well together. And feeling alone is one of the worst things to feel, especially when you're going through that. And I I do speak through that uh, through experience, you know, before being okay with the idea of telling somebody else. And I know it's sort of a, a played out concept, but as men, it's, it's difficult for us because we live a life where basically nobody cares when we do reach out, or at least we perceive that nobody cares and that like it's, it's diminishing to our strength and our masculinity uh, to be able to say, Hey, I'm hurting and I need someone to tell me it's going to be okay. I need someone to hug me. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry you've seen the things that you've seen, man. That that's, that's crazy. Um, I can relate a little bit. Uh, when I was 16, my older brother also committed suicide. So I know what it's kind of like to uh, lose somebody close to you to that. And a handful of my friends, some some that never would have uh, expected to do something like that. You know, by the time I was 25, I think I already lost another three people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's, it gets to be a little <clears throat> difficult like that. And I think... Uh, in the description, uh, if any if anybody's feeling any kind of way, I think we're going to include the uh, suicide uh, helpline in the description of this episode as well. Yeah, that's that's probably a, a a smart thing to do because honestly, if you're interested in my story, my story has a lot of suicide in it. Um, and I don't I don't know necessarily how far you want to go. Um, I don't think the guidelines are going to let us go too too deep. Right, but we we well, can touch on whatever you're comfortable <laughs> touching on, and then uh, really dive into like, you know, how how you really started pulling out of that, you know. Well, so before we start really getting into how I pulled out of that, I need to really go into where I went, and this is this is kind of the part, you know. I mean, obviously, cut and chop this, CJ. Any any way, shape, or form that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to keep it however you give it to me, just because I want to give it that organic uh, feel, so people can really understand where the human mind goes when we start talking about some of these things. Yeah, um, I, you know, I've been podcasting for over three years now, and I'm just used to, to speaking in public now. You know, I, I do very well when I'm speaking in front of my, my crew at work, um, I can talk to a large crowd of people and be perfectly fine. And, uh, I see that as, as sort of a, a a gift that I have acquired because it's very, very difficult for other people to do. And one thing that I have set my mind on as something that I will do at some point in this life, I will be creating some sort of book or video or something that tells my story because I want people to understand that yeah you know they they feel like their life is really screwed up well a lot of people's lives are really really screwed up and uh no matter what flavor of screwed up it is you could fix it maybe not fix it fix it but you can can survive and there's a lot of stuff to survive for so uh, to kind of dive in a little bit, and like I said before, 
I believe just speaking about it and getting right to the thick of things is the best way to do it. Um, I know it sounds like I'm beating around the bush right now. But. No, 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 you're, you're, you're <laughs> fine. I actually have a question for you based yeah, on something yeah. you had just said. Right. Uh, with like terminology you just used where, you know, it's also terminology that I've used in my lifetime to describe my situations too, where you said, I'm surviving this. Um, is there like a point you think where you got past simply surviving and started living again? We'll get there. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll get to the, we'll get there a little bit later. Gotcha. Um, Cause I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, Cause that's, yeah, that's, that's why I say we dig, we dig deep in the thoughts and cushions on this show, my man. Yeah. That's a, that's a day by day question. Just oh, being yeah. honest with you. That's not, hey, a, no, honestly, that's kind of like the answer I was looking for. Uh, it's like a true and authentic thing. It's like, cause a lot of people out there want to put out that sort of image. Like, Oh yeah, no, I'm fine now where it's like, well, no, like I work on myself every day. Yeah. You know, and I'm not perfect every day. And sometimes some days are harder than others. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, to kind of get into the thick things, uh, just to kind of give you a really, really brief uh, background on my life. Uh, I wasn't, from my point of view, wanted very much as a child. Um, not going to get into bunch of things i mean my dad was a really good person he worked a lot and you know i had issues with my stepmother and my mother and a few other uh important figures in my life and uh i you know it would have been better if my dad didn't work so much but he did and uh i was forced to be around people who hated me for a very good portion of my young life um that's all i'm going to go into with that that's not important to this to this uh story other than just kind of setting that small detail um so before i had joined the navy i was working for oakley and it was okay i was working like the the glassics the glasses company yeah yeah uh yeah i was working for oakley and retail Right. Um, not a very lavish life. And I had uh, a young daughter uh, and my wife was uh, pregnant with our second. And we started having some complications with birth and stuff. And, and uh, you know, we had uh, we had tried multiple times before and failed. Um, I'll let you guys use your imaginations on that one. Um, so we finally got this blessing of a, of a second child that we wanted really, really bad. And uh, we were having some medical issues and we just knew like this, this child was going to help have some health problems. Uh, he does uh, not anything, you know, too much that we can't handle. You know, he's, I, I love that kid. I love all my kids. I have four of them now just to kind of get you guys to the end there. Uh, so uh, that's how it, much he loves his kids. He wanted more. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the God's honest truth, man. Uh, kids really, really helped me out quite a bit in life. Um, so I convinced my wife because uh, I wasn't getting the health care that I needed and it was getting really expensive 
I convinced my wife, you know, hey, I've had, I'm willing to join the military. Let me go. Uh, I tried to get into the Air Force at first, uh, and they were just taking too long. So I, I went across the hall to the Navy, joined almost instantly. Um, well, at least had a date for boot camp pretty, pretty, pretty quick. Um, I ended up leaving for boot camp two weeks after my son was born. Uh, so that was, that was pretty difficult. Um, but not anywhere near as difficult as other portions of my life that we'll get to here. Fast forward to the day that this, uh, that this young man chose to take his life. Um, this was an event that changed my mental setting, uh, greatly, um, because, because I don't know, man, I, I just, I just wasn't okay. I wasn't okay in the head. And, uh, uh, with suicide just being a constant in my life and then finally seeing it up close and in person, uh, it really sucked. And I got to a point where, you know, one of the docs told me one day, he's like, Hey man, you know, you're going to want to start thinking about life outside the Navy. And, uh, that killed me. Um, because the Navy was the way that I was paying for my life. I was not only, I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck. Um, we were comfortable. We were, we were, we lived in our own house. We bought a house. Uh, I had three kids at the time and, um, it gave you like a positive sort of outlook going forward. Yeah. And, and this doctor had just basically told me like, Hey man, you're done. That's it. So, and dude, I started, I started really, really getting bad because before I had joined the Navy, uh, six and a half years prior to that point, uh, I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't doing anything with my life. I was working retail, yeah, living in a in a apartment that was too small for my growing family. Uh, my wife and I, you know, I was not only working full time at Oakley, but I was also working at Lids. Uh, yeah, I was just a mall guy. My wife was working a full-time job. We, at some points in our life, we had to have people watch our daughter that we didn't even really know, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, all of that just came rushing back. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, man, I gotta, I gotta tell my wife that, you know, this life that she's used to, that my kids are used to is all, it's all going to go away. <laughs> um, so I went to a really dark place, man. Uh, I can imagine the whole, the whole idea of, you know, doing everything you can to give your kids a life you never have, well, never had. And then, you know, sort of like thinking that you're on the brink of, of losing, doing that for them. I, I've been there. I've been in that position with my own son, not quite as further along as, as you were with like owning your own property and everything like that. Uh, but finally getting into a position where you're making more money than you've ever made in your life and you're able to give these people things and really show them like, hey, like, daddy loves you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then you feel like, like, oh, what's about to happen to me? 
Like, what's going to happen to my ability to give these people everything I've ever wanted to give them? Right. Um, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I just started looking at myself like, like yeah, I, I'm going to be a failure to my family. Um, yeah. Going to be a failure to everybody who in my family who has looked at me and said, Hey, thank you for your service. I'm proud of you. Cause that's something that my family has never said to me. My family wasn't the family that, you know, said that they were proud of you. Didn't happen. Right. Um, so January 1st, 2020, uh, I wrote a letter I put it in my glove box. It was 12 pages long, one page per person. And it was my goodbye letter. Um, sorry, man. I'm, I'm kind of. No, nah, take, take, take the time you need. I wasn't expecting you to go quite this detailed. So, well, I told you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's really, um, it's, it's nice. It's nice that you're able to like open up on that level and, and really express. Cause I think, I think a story like this is going to be able to help a lot of people. Yeah. And that's why I tell it. Because it's if it wasn't for somebody who was open with me, um, it would be very, very, very. Uh, it'd be bad, man. I, I wouldn't be here right now, I'm telling you yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so this was at the same time where I was making a really good buddy, a really good friend, um, really, really good friend, and. I, I left this letter in my glove box for forever, man. I, well, what felt like forever, but it was only till February. So about six, seven weeks, I left it in my glove box. My wife took my car to work every once in a while because she liked my car better. Brought my car in for an oil change. I was trying to get somebody to find it. I needed help, man, and I just didn't know how to ask. Right. I didn't. I didn't want to make things worse because... In in the military, man, if you if you show signs of this kind of stuff, you're gone. And I mm-hmm. I, I needed to stay in for a, a little bit longer. I needed to figure stuff out. But I you know, I, I couldn't ask for help for myself. So yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't approach my wife. So I um I wrote a letter saying goodbye uh, to 12 people. And uh, one one morning in February, I pulled up on one of the bridges into work, and, uh, man, sat there for two hours. I was late. And I don't know if anybody knows, being late in the military is like the end of the world. Well, I could say, obviously, you know, I didn't do what I had planned. Um, and honestly it was because five ish days earlier, somebody, that friend that I was making said to me or told me that he was going through, or he had been through the same thing and that he's still in the military. 
There's ways around it. You can fight this. You just need help. Man, and I'll tell you, it was a mixture of that and my children. Just, you know, at the time I had three. It, it, that That's what kept me here. Right. You know, somebody somebody showing me a success story and the thoughts of my children. So, um, instead of jumping into the freezing water of Virginia, Hampton Roads, Virginia, um, I threw the letter into the water. I got back in my truck, and I drove to work. <clears throat> and th- this is, you know, obviously February 2020, this is the heart of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Although, you know, obviously there was stressors from that too, but it, it, I I don't think he was a big player in any of this. Well, it certainly didn't help, that's for sure. <clears throat> so I went to work. And I pulled my chief aside. Chief is a is a senior enlisted person. Um, for those that can't guess, I was enlisted. <laughs> um, and I said, Chief, uh, I'm in trouble. And uh, they're like, damn right you are. You were late. I was like, no, Chief. I'm in trouble. Like, I'm in trouble. And I started crying. And... I just put everything out there. They're like, all right, let's go. We're going to go get you some help. So they brought me to the hospital and uh, I talked to somebody. And, um, you know, I I got watched for quite a while, but I mean, I didn't have to stay at the hospital, but I got, I had to check in and, and all that stuff. And people checked in on me and good thing they did. You know, I mean, I, I didn't have another close call like I did that morning. Um, but it felt good that people were caring enough to call. People were, like, legitimately calling me to see how I was doing. And it wasn't like a – I mean, I, in the back of my head, I knew it was something that they had to do. But at the same time, they didn't make it feel that way. So March time frame, April time frame. I'm having a conversation with uh, my uh, my therapist, and he's like, "Man, what do you what do you want to do?" He's like, "Give yourself something to live for. Give yourself a hobby. You need a hobby. You need something to do with your life." And he's like, "You need to make friends. You need to do something." And uh, you know, I was, I was just like, "Man, I don't." I don't like to do anything because that's honestly what I was. Um, for a long time, I just dove into my work in the Navy. And I mean, I didn't hang out with friends outside of the Navy. I didn't hang out with friends inside the Navy. I didn't, I just went to work, did my thing. I had acquaintances and, and whatnot, but my true, my one really good friend that I made I can't say just one. There there was a few really, really good friends that I made in the Navy. But none of them that I really hung out with every day. Uh, right. So he's like, like, man, like, are you an artist? 
do you sing? Do you draw? Do you write? And I was like, well, I've always wanted to write a book. He's like, go for it. Do it. He goes, what's stopping you? Absolutely nothing. And he's like, they sent me to uh, what's called Limdu, uh, limited duty. Basically, it's where people go to heal, whether it's physical or mental. Right. They give you tedious little stupid jobs, but it's meant to be easier on you. And I hated that. I absolutely hated that. I mean, I, I'm a, I was an aircraft electrician, and that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, are you at, at this point where you're at, or are you saying like you've hit like the bottom, and now you're just sort of plateaued, and now you're waiting for that climb to get out uh, of that? I'm starting to get out of that. Okay. I'm, yeah. Uh, the bottom was, the bottom was writing the letter. Right. Okay. That that was the absolute bottom, um, because at that at that moment, they say once you plan the event, that's when it gets serious. And I knew how I wanted to do it. Right. Um. And then things started getting slightly better. To the point to where when I was at the point in my life where I was like, okay, this is it. This is everything on my checklist is done. This is the day. It was good enough to say, all right, this isn't, this isn't it. Like you get, you need to suck it the fuck up and take care of this shit. Cause this is getting really scary. Um, so, Anyways, Doc was just telling me, like, man, you got to put your put your mind into something. And, you know, so I started off with uh, I wanted to write a book. And uh, the only thing that I was ever interested in that I was wholeheartedly interested in was the weirdness, the mysteries of the world. Um, and like you said, it stems from an event that happened when I was a kid where I saw I saw something that you know everyone says doesn't exist but I mean I saw it it was there it was right in front of me um so if I could see it and everyone else is claiming to see their own uh version of their own monsters uh then other things could exist too if you so, want to know that story you have to go check out the infinite rabbit hole podcast uh that episode's so so old uh, you can actually probably go over. I think I I told it on Phil's podcast. Go ahead, and give that one to Phil over on Unexplained Inc. Um, <laughs> uh, that that's a much better telling. I mean, you're talking like the first four episodes of Infinite Rabbit Hole. Those were garbage. Anyways, <laughs> um, so you know, I'm thinking about what I want to write. You know, uh, do I want to go fiction and you know, do a, a creature feature in a book, you know, because I, dude, I, I have a wild imagination. Um, I, I, I've started five or six fictional books since then. Haven't finished a single one of them. <laughs> I think the, the, the furthest that I got in one is like five chapters. Uh, it'll, it'll get done eventually. Yeah, um, I, I understand that too. So, one day, I'm playing a video game called Ark, 
uh, with with this really really good buddy. Um, so you were in purgatory called Ark. Yeah, I, I too have been there. Um, there's a new version that just came out and it's phenomenal. By the way, Ascension. Yeah, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Um, and lo and behold, uh. You know, my my gamer tag is Woodbooger or, you know, a, or a variation of that term with a couple letters or whatever after it. Um, and he goes, so come on, man, what's a Woodbooger? He goes, the only thing I can think of is like a hardened booger underneath a desk. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Uh, I was like, you're don't think different of me, but it's a. It's a southern Sasquatch or an Appalachian Sasquatch. Uh, it's kind of what they refer to. It's where the, the or it's it's said that it's where the term boogeyman came from. Uh, you know, it would they would tell their kids, "Hey, watch out for the booger man or the booger, get you." Um, and he was like, "Hmm." He goes, "You don't you don't believe in that, do you?" I was like, "Yeah, I do." And I told him the story, and uh, you know, he told me he said, "Dude." If anybody else in this world told me that, I wouldn't believe it. And uh, I was like, well, man, you know, I, I appreciate that because I don't just tell that to people because people look at you like you're fucking loony. Um, and I mean, pff, dude, I've been made fun of for that story so many times in my life. It's incredible. I uh, I, I understand that, too. Shoot. Yeah. And, uh. You know, I had, you know, I don't know, man. I was just getting into podcasts like shortly after this event in February. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was taught, I told him I was, you know, I can't remember if I told him I was writing a book, but for some reason I was just on this kick of like, hey, man, you know, I was thinking about doing a podcast on it. And I've tried, you know, reaching out to some people to try to see if they wanted to do it. I just don't want to do it alone. He's like, well, fuck it. Let's do it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, dude, you don't believe in that crap. He goes, so. What does that matter? Um, I said, all right. I, I didn't believe him because I had actually had a, a different person lined up to do a show with, and they just never, never came through. Um, and uh, it seems to happen a lot in the world of podcasting. It's almost yeah. like playing tabletop games. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, one thing led to another, and Infinite Rabbit Hole was born. Um, and that's, you know, I, I get, people always ask me, like, you know, how, how, how did, how did Infinite Rabbit Hole come about? Like, what, what is this about? Like, you know, and, and, you know, I tell them, I'll be like, you wouldn't believe me, but it's, uh, it's a coping mechanism for my mental health issues. <laughs> And, uh, like, man, the amount of time that I put into this show, like no sane person puts this much time into a podcast (laughs) and doesn't get paid for it, man. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, but man, I'll tell you when I really get into a subject and I, I just find every nook and cranny of that subject, every little piece of information I possibly can, uh, and I put it into a format and I share it with the world that turns around and says, damn, dude, you're doing a great job. That, 
that's a absolutely amazing feeling. That is a incredible feeling, right? It, it is that. It is that. Uh, drawing a blank here, man. What's that? What's that? Uh, it's it's uh, it vindicates you. Yeah, yeah it, it's that Val- validates all the work you're putting it, in. Like, is it serotonin? That that feel good. Uh, that's hug drug. I think it's dopamine. Is what you're dopamine. There you go. Thank you. It's that dopamine release. You know, where mm-hmm. I take something that, you know, I've had this lifelong hidden obsession with, and I put it out into the world, and people who else have this lifelong, whether it's hidden or not hidden, obsession with, uh, come out of the woodworks to listen to what I have to say, and then they talk to me about it. And people tune in every single week, hundreds. I mean, there's been mm-hmm. plenty of weeks where we had well over a thousand people tune in on one day just to listen to a new episode of the Infinite Rabbit. That's and, awesome. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's incredible, and it just it it gives it gives my life some something more than just a provider. And like, man, it sounds, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so it, was, it, it sounds like you found a way to focus that energy, to take your mind, to take, take the energy off of the negative. You found something positive to focus that energy to, which became a passion. Right. And like, it was a genuine passion. And that's what, that's what makes these projects so good is when you, actually care about what you're talking about and what you're doing and then you focus that that passion and and created something and then you get validated for all that work you put in you like you said you get that dopamine hit and when you're feeling depressed all the time and you're going through that those issues you know your your mind your brain is constantly being starved for dopamine and then you get that hit and it's like I needed that. And then you're like, I'm going to keep doing this. And then, you know, it just, it continues to fuel and makes you feel good about the thing that you're doing. And it makes you love it even more. Yeah. And it almost, it's almost like it makes you feel human again. It it does. It does. Because I, I, I don't know, man, I just haven't really felt like a human being for most of my life. Right. You know, um, I mean, I had friends growing up as a kid. I don't talk to a single one of them anymore. Not <laughs> how about not, that, right? I'm talking like when I say I don't talk to a single friend from when I from my childhood, uh, where I grew up in Connecticut. I mean it. I don't talk to a single one of them. Uh, wow. and then I mean I moved to Florida, right, between my sophomore and junior year, and other than like the a couple likes on a picture here and there. That's all I get from a few of them too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's, uh, I don't, I never really had, you know, the post high school group that I, I hung out with mm-hmm. and podcasting gave that to me. I mean, dude, I, I meet you and I touched base with each other almost three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook kindly reminded us that recently. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it, I, I say almost, it, it was three years ago. The time really rips by. It does. And 
you know, I, 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 I made, dude, I made incredible friends with this incredible friends. Like I, I actually, I get people that check, like, just talk to me like such as yourself or Dave or, or, uh, or Phil. They'll just check in like, Hey man, what's up? Like, damn dude, Jeff, Kenzar, you know, I, I don't have that. I don't have that anywhere else. I never did. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when we were doing infinite rabbit hole, you know, the first time that I was a regular host on there and that email that Kenzar sent, uh, I'd already been doing podcasting for four years at that point. And I never once received an email like that. And that was one of the most validating, almost magical experiences I've ever had in podcasting. hundred percent. hundred percent. I, you know, I've told her a couple times or we've talked about it on the show a couple times about how important that letter was, but man, I, I don't think she even gets it. Like that was a, that was a man. When I, that day I woke up and read that damn letter, man, I brought tears in my eyes. I, I read it to my wife. We were, we woke up, uh, I was in bed and took a look at it. I was like, Oh man, I read it out loud to her and it took everything from me to not, not drop a couple tears, man. And, uh, I was like, this is really cool. This is, well, yeah, she, in that moment, she reached out and touched some lives that desperately needed to be touched and she didn't even know it. It was just something simple as I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. And we, we needed that. Like, None of us were really too into the idea of talking about it on a deep level, especially like we are right now, you know, at that point. And, but all of us were sitting there and we needed that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I hope somebody listens to this, you know, and and get something out of it and listen it's it's not always going to be good it's not i have bad days um uh let's see january <laughs> my birthday in january of uh 2023 uh we found out that we're going to have another baby and uh well actually it was about a month after that, but we found out we were having another baby, and uh, and I'm so excited, so excited, uh, and man, when that came into this world on October fourth, twenty twenty three, and it was it was the most happiest, saddest day of my entire life. I looked down at him and I just couldn't help it. I looked down at him and I saw a baby, my baby in my arms that just was given to me by my wife that would not exist if I had chose something different that day. Right. He wouldn't be here. And I mean, dude, let me tell you, like every day I look at this kid and I'm just like, man, dude, you are so close to never being a thing, man. 
you know, and I mean, he's just a baby. And I, obviously I'll never say that to his face, but man, right. he is the absolute biggest gift I've ever received. Because, oh, man, dude, I, I look at him and I was like, dude, you're such an asshole for ever, like, possibly getting in the way of bringing this beautiful life into this world. And, uh, and yeah, so, um, is every day going to be easy? No, not at all. Uh, man, I can tell you right now, I have some really hard days. Yeah, tell, I know. <laughs> um, and, uh, I just look, look at where my life is now, man. I have a, I have a good job. I have a great job. I didn't think it was possible outside the Navy. Um, mm-hmm. But here I am, you know, and man, dude, I, it's somebody told me this one time and you know, I've, I've told this to people before and they're like, yeah, man, I've heard that. And it's like, it just hits so different for me. The The term is, it's a uh, permanent fix for a temporary situation. And it's like, wow. And it's my story is exactly that. I was going to make a permanent fix that was completely temporary. Right. Like I'm, I have a beautiful home in the middle of Wisconsin, you know, where I've started my own life. I have, my best friend that I've ever made in my life getting ready to move out here once he gets out of the Navy. Um, I have the infinite rabbit hole, which gives me every social need I need, um, which has opened so many doors for me. Incredible doors. I mean, I'm getting ready to go and, and start co-hosting on a show with somebody who way more popular than I ever could be. Um, and uh, just the simple fact that that person said, yeah, man, I want you on the show. Like, damn, that's nuts. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, showing up on other shows with people from like the Discovery Channel or these documentaries that I watch every day or, you know, just getting to talk to some of the absolute biggest names in the field of stuff that I love uh, would never have happened. I would never have never had any of this. And it's just, it's like, man, you just keep chugging along and, and you'll see it's, it's temporary. And I mean, I mean, I was convinced, man, I was convinced that it was, I was done. I had no reason to be here. I was like, all mm-hmm. I'm going to do is just be a burden to my family. I'm going to go work at the mall and do nothing. And my, my family is going to have a horrible life. I don't want to be here for that. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that, that's a rough feeling to deal with. It's one of the reasons um, I quit working at a previous job. I was working for a major ISP as a business analyst and 
it sounds real fancy, but I really wasn't getting paid very well. And I was looking at my son and I was just like, man, all I want to do is give you everything I never had. And ain't that the truth? <laughs> Jeez, yeah. man. And yeah. And like, I mean, parents know this, man. If you look at your kid and you're like, it, you look at them and you're like, man, I can't give you what you want. It is the hardest thing to deal with. The absolute hardest thing to deal with. And it's, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like, oh man, my kid's spoiled because they want a PlayStation 6, right? Uh, the day that, it, or a few months before it gets released in a couple of years. Right. right? Not that. I'm talking about like, hey man, like, hey dad, can we go to the candy store? You know, or, or like, giving them things that they don't even know that they're going to appreciate later in life. Like a nice house on a nice piece of property. Yeah. You know, and, uh, in, in a, in a good school system, that kind of stuff, man. Like they have no idea right now. They're going to look back on it and be like, dang, you know, it was, you know, we, we had it pretty good growing up. Know because this whole parenting thing that I'm doing now is tough, <laughs> right? You know, right. I think you know. I think uh, the absolute worst for me, uh, and it's the big reason that I'm back in school right now, so I can get that degree to get this better job. Um, is because like the job I have right now, it's not a bad job, but it hurts like my soul when my little guy comes up to me and he asks me to play with him and everything inside me wants to play with him. But my body is too hurt and broken from the day to do that. And, and, and I you know can't what, get up. You know, what's crazy about that is that I remember being that little boy. I remember going to my dad and saying, Hey, can we toss the football? Can we go, can we go fishing? Can we go do that kind of stuff? And, and he would just be like, man, I'm tired. I'm beat. Like, all right, Dad. And you know what? I yeah. still I do that to my kids. But well, it's, yeah, we're we're growing, and you know we have to do what we have to do to put food on the table. But it hurts so bad when you have to tell them no. Does man, it does, it does. And I was looking at a life where I could do nothing but tell them no. And I know some people might be listening to this and be like, "Man, this dude, this dude can say yes." Like, I know people, there's people worse off than me. I know it. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to stand on a higher horse or, or anything, man. I, I know I'm not, I'm not blind to the fact that other people have some, some really hard situations in life. Well, to a point, you can't really compare your personal and unique experience to another person's because you'll end up invalidating yours to yourself to yourself and, and start to feel like maybe you don't deserve to feel the way that you feel. And I mean, that goes, that goes to a point, right? Like if, if you're living a life where you're like, Oh, I went outside and somebody slashed my Lexus's tires today, you know, and <laughs> someone else is like, my cat got shot, right. you know, you know, or, or I lost somebody to, to suicide today, you know, and the ba- and the worst thing that other person ever experienced was their tire got popped. Like, okay maybe you don't really know what it's like to live through some stuff, but you know, when you look at your situation, you know, and and you look at like my personal situation where 
we have similarities, but yours went to a much further extent. But to a point, I'm able to empathize with you because the damage was almost the same. You just experienced more of it, right? right. So you're not really, when you, when you say other people have it worse than me, I mean, on paper, it might be worse than you, but realistically, the damage that was done to you is just the same as it's being done to them. It's, it's how you're perceiving your worst moments in your own unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I understand that, you know, but at the same time, you know, I can't help, but you know, the time that I do, the times that I do tell my story to those that need to hear it or that I feel need to hear it or, you know, the, the one thing that I really hate the most when I feel like I have to explain myself, um, you know, I don't know, man, I always feel like I have to put that little asterisk in there and just say, yeah, you know, I'm, I know it's not the worst story ever. Mm. I know that. Right. To me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a subconscious thing where you're feeling a little bit guilty for feeling the way that you feel. Right. But, <clears throat> and, and maybe one day you'll realize like, you know, like I, I, I shouldn't feel guilty for the emotions that I have and for the way I feel about the experiences I've been through. Um, yeah. But that's, that's where it comes from. And there's nothing wrong with that, but just like, you know, yeah, sure. Other people have been in worse situations. There's people that don't know what it's like to eat more than two or three times a week. Their right. situation is pretty, pretty shitty. But at the same time, yours was pretty awful too. Mine was awful. Other people's is awful. And it's all about, it's not really about the experience. It's about how you came back from that. Like you got, you were brought to the brink. You were at the end. You couldn't deal with it anymore, but somehow came back from it. I came back from it because I asked for help. That day when I showed up at my command, I went to my chief and I said, I need help. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the it started getting better almost immediately after I had actually wrote the letter. But I didn't actually get the help that I needed to make that turn completely mm -hmm. until I asked for help. And I cannot stress it to anybody who's listening that could possibly be going through anything similar. Right. You gotta, you gotta ask for help. You have to. Yeah, you do. We're not meant to deal with this shit on our on our own. Nope. And uh, yeah, that that that's it, man. That's that's really the the story of you know my mental health issues, my stance mm -hmm. on it, and uh, how podcasting has helped me get out of that hole, and not just out of the hole, but. To a point to where most days I feel pretty normal. Okay. Do you think and, it's time to revisit that question we asked earlier then? Uh, ask it again. So are there days now where you 
feel like you're no longer just surviving, but you're actually starting to live again. Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. Um, It's there. It's on the horizon. I can see it. I can feel it. Right? Um, mm. I have some... I have some really bad days, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> I have some bad days. Some days where the the certain combination of pills that I take every morning isn't they're they're not equalizing or you know uh neutralizing the other chemicals in my brain that are telling me that whatever I'm doing doesn't matter. You know? Uh there are those days. There's more than I am happy to say or that I want to admit. No, I I understand that completely. Um, and yeah, almost, man, almost. You know, I, I need to get Infinite Rabbit Hole back up because I miss it mm-hmm. incredibly. I know, I know, trust me, the, the group chat sometimes I'm like, hey, so what are, Let's get this going, and you guys are all like, "Yeah, let's let's uh let's send fart memes and shit." And it's like, <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess we're gonna do that today. <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and, uh, I'm not, you know, I can I can hang with the with you guys. Uh, you know, the the group that we have, man, is is really cool. I really love it. Um, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of the story of uh, you know, the break that we're having with Infinite Rabbit Hole and. And like, you know, just um sorry I kind of turned this into an infinite rabbit hole thing. Uh no, but, no, no, it's fine. I mean, like, know, we're we're here, you just told like one of the most incredible stories that probably will ever get told on this podcast hundreds <laughs> of episodes from now. This will uh, still be one of the best ones. And I highly doubt if it. If you man. want to promote infinite rabbit hole, promote away. No, 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 no. I'm not promoting it. Uh, <laughs> honestly, man. Well, no, I, we're talking about it. You know what I mean. Yeah. Plugging it in there. No, I mean not not even that. You know, I just you know, for the people that are coming over here from the from the infinite rabbit hole crowd, you know, just to kind of give mm-hmm. you guys a little bit of an insight as to you know why are why are we shut down right now? Uh, we're shut down uh, because it is it, it is incredibly hard to schedule a bunch of people that live in different corners of the North American continent. Mm-hmm. uh to record every single week together um and one thing that i don't want to do is i don't want to push my obsession onto the friends that i made yeah i want them to stay and like we're we're currently building up a seasonal format right now and i i'm doing what 60% of the episodes and something like that yeah and maybe and even it, more Maybe, but it's, uh, I'm doing that because this is my obsession, mm-hmm. right? You guys are doing it because you guys want to hang out with me. You guys want to be a part of the infinite rabbit hole. You guys want to you know hang out with each other. That's why you're doing it. And, you know, you guys are interested in some of the s- similar subjects. I'm doing it because it's literally an obsession that helps me through my day. And I was getting to the point with my host where I was expecting more 
than just a bunch of friends hanging out and talking about cool shit. Right. And uh, I was like, all right, man, got to stop. That that can't happen. I I care about these people. I I don't want them to go anywhere. I want them to be a part of this. This is mm-hmm. my crew. This is my clique. And uh, I had to take a step back and look at the format of the infinite rabbit hole and say, how can I have both? How can I do this thing that I love doing and keep my friends? Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I mean, you know, the format now, this is, this is how I'm doing it. And I, I think it's a good format. I think it's a um, good idea. I think it's an excellent way to uh, doing the time management, especially with, you know, everybody's different like time zones and work schedules and adult lives and stuff. Yeah. I hundred percent understand it, man. That's why I'm doing the, the show that I'm doing here. Philosopha talk is a passion project. I, I love talking to people and not just small talk. Oh, what's the weather like? Did the Eagles win last night? Like, yeah, that's all well and good, but I love getting down with people and, and even if it's just a little bit showing a little bit of your soul to me. Right. And really like analyzing how people think and feel and you know hearing what they believe in and 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 the the experience they've had and personal philosophies and how they think that you know what they're doing is going to make them happy and 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 trying to spread like experience and that's why I'm doing this and I tried to do it with another show uh that show's still going but it's not as frequent anymore and and that's nobody's fault you know, that's just people like adult lives are taking them directions. They have to go in order for them to survive. So, you know, like really what I'm doing with this show is because I want what you have with infinite rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Right. Well, well, so, so in a way you sort of inspired philosopher talk, at least on and, a partial level. And your other show that I don't know if you want to talk about it. Uh, oh my God! Inspired us what not to do with Infinite Rabbit Hole. Oh, yeah, what not to do? That's a good expression. <laughs> that oh. show is so bad. Can we can we just kind of go over that? It's, I feel like that's just you know we we talked about something so dark, right? Let's yeah. Let's talk about something really funny real quick, just to yeah. you know to lighten the mood, end this end this in a good way. Well, yeah, uh, we're trying to talk about how podcasting helps people's mental health. That yeah. was a mental health outlet and a half. Yeah, so. <laughs> Let's uh let's talk about how we met, man. So uh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so honestly, this uh I you know, I was hurting, man. You know, I was just starting this podcast and this uh this one statistic was just hanging out at me and uh it was that uh most podcasts will fail before their seventh episode. And uh I wanna say that you guys coming onto my show was episode six or seven maybe seven um but anyways i was reaching out on a couple podcasting facebook groups and uh before i had done infinite rabbit hole i was listening to a bunch of different podcasts on the subjects that i like one of them being cj's um and uh although although it wasn't the format that i wanted it was fun. And honestly, that's that's what I liked about it because I wanted 
I wanted my show to be fun. I wanted people to listen and be like, damn, I can't wait to see what, what these goofballs do next week. And uh, for a long time, that's what happened with Infinite Rabbit Hole. You know, we kind of we kind of got labeled as a comedy. Not so much anymore. Um, but I saw somebody on the the uh, the the Facebook group. And I, I was like, someone's looking for somebody to come talk on their show. And or looking to guest on shows. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I, I clicked on your profile and I was like, Cryptotech. I was like, what? No, no, it's not. There's no way. <laughs> There's no freaking way. So I said, screw it. I sent you a message or, or comment or something. And I was like, dude, I want you on my show. And you're like, yeah, bet. Uh, you know, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, you were you were starting to talk about things, and I was like, no, 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 not that, not that. No, I want to talk about cryptids. And you're like, I was like, you're crypto technical, right? And he's like, and you're like, ah, oh, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> that show was uh, so bad. Like we we wanted a platform where we wanted to do comedy and Andrew like cryptids. So we're like, okay, let's do thirty minutes of cryptid research and then just tell jokes. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was exactly that's uh, crypto technical in a nutshell uh but it, it's just so funny because i was using cj's show as you know uh some like a, a block to build upon for my for my show for this new show that i was starting and here we are three years later this random show that i just happened to find on Spotify one day that was, I think I looked up episodes on, uh, man, I, I can't remember what some cryptid and you showed up and I listened to it and I was like, okay, this is, this is fun. And I listened to more. I subscribed. I just started listening to, to different episodes here and there. And sure enough, this is the guy that that's looking to go up on other people's shows. And then, and then he he thinks that I'm reaching out for Mystery Stone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, that other show. And you're like, no way. You know, Cryptid Technical. And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and uh, that was the story. That's that's it. That's how uh, CG and I met. It is. It is true. It's, it, and it's it's funny because I have this dynamic where like I do Mystery Stone, I do this show, and I'm like this super serious, really deep individual. But I also have a love of exaggerated silliness, and uh, I can be pretty funny when I want to be. And uh, you know, we really, we really wanted to do comedy, and that was a that was an outlet for it. And we we've tried other times to do comedy. That was probably our better one. And I, I'll, I'll tell you what, Jeremy, um, we managed to recover all 94 episodes of cryptid technical no way and yeah we did uh when, when i because we're working on this uh we're working on an audio drama project right now and uh the old hard drive for the computer that died we pulled it and managed to get the hard drive to boot up and recovered everything so you should re-release them well i was gonna say if you want i will send them to you and you can like hide them behind a paywall or something if you want to. 
Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> and you can you can use them if you want. You you should. We'll talk about this off the air. Okay. We'll talk about this off the air. <laughs> Long story short, everybody, my standpoint is that I think that he should re-release them one at a time, <laughs> one a week until the end, and that's it. And just leave it up. Like you can't find it anymore, man. You got to leave it up. No, and you know what? That wasn't intentional. Uh, when we stopped recording. We actually tried to migrate um, it over to Anchor so that it would still be available because it's 94 episodes. We did that show for two and a half years and um, the migration failed and because I was using uh, the Libsyn platform and it just it didn't migrate well. And uh, then that laptop died and I wasn't able to access anything anymore. And I lost like nine different projects. I lost probably 300 pages worth of writing that I've done. And uh, yeah, we just recovered all of that like two weeks ago. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And then you guys should have like a, a, a reunion special. Dude, oh my it, God. It, would be, it would be so fun. Come on, dude. I <laughs> started doing Cryptid Technical again. Oh. No, just just one. Just Dude, you know, two, do two, do two. drop, <laughs> drop the very first episode being a reunion special, drop the entire 94 episodes, 94 weeks straight, and then do a final goodbye reunion episode. Boom. 96. Flat. That, that show did teach me something very interesting about podcasting. We released an episode where we put Bigfoot on trial. Yeah. <laughs> and it was brutal we're like if something gets us canceled this is gonna be it because oh dude we push the edges and it was funny we had a good time and we're like no and that was actually the episode that landed us our very first author interview nice yeah she listened to it and she and now she actually appeared on infinite rabbit hole it was a carlin betcha ah carlin yeah she's a book she she listened to that episode and actually approached us and asked us to come onto the show. And we were like, "Yeah, did you did you listen to what we do?" And she's like, "Yeah, I listened to this one." We're like, "You listened to that one? <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to hang out with us?" Like, <laughs> isn't it crazy what some people find entertaining, man? I'll tell you, <laughs> I I found your show entertaining, man. I think uh, you got. I think you should do it. I think you should do it. It was so if, you, if anybody listening to this right now thinks CJ should do it, uh, send him an email. What's your email, CJ? Uh, for this one, it's uh, philosophatalk at gmail.com. How do you spell that? The same way it's spelled on the show title. There you go. P-H-I-L-O-S-O-F-A at what? You said Gmail? It's philosophatalk at gmail. Yeah. There, oh, philosophatalk. There you go. At gmail. Yeah. Let him know. Let him know. <laughs> no, it was it was a lot of fun. You know what? Honestly, that show was a lot of therapy. It it was it was an outlet um for this like side of me because like like I said before, like just like I was going through some really bad depression. I, I still have depression. Um it manifests differently now and I have better control over it. I've taken a lot of steps to work on my life and work and work on my mental state and improve my outlook on things and change how I see things and um, 
but it's still there. It's still it's some days, like he said, some days are bad. Uh, I have my my nervous system is so shot from the previous. You know, it's been two years now since I've really started rebuilding myself. But for the fifteen years prior to that, o- over the course of that, my nervous system is so shot. I have anxiety attacks over stupid things. Like if I wake up two hours before my alarm goes off, I might have an anxiety attack because I'm not going to be able to go back to sleep in time to get enough sleep so that I wake up in time for the alarm and then I might sleep through the alarm and I'll start freaking out. You know what um, I do in that situation? What? Get up and go play Ark. <laughs> I'm dead serious. That's what I do because I, I also will do the same thing. Yeah, but I'll start worrying. Like if I get up, then I really won't go back to sleep. Like, and I need my sleep. Yeah, you know, and uh, uh, I, I do. I just say, all right, I'm up, and I'll go play Ark, and then, uh, just deal with a crappy day, drink a an extra Red Bull, and uh, go at it again the next night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crypto Technical really just let me grab a hold of what was left of that inner child that just wanted to play. And bring them out for an hour and a half. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it was therapy in itself and it was a good time. And like you said, it's like that dopamine rush. And, um, we have an episode where, uh, we actually had enough patrons, uh, that they ended up buying us more alcohol than any three people should have ever consumed in one sitting. (laughs) And, we spent an entire episode reviewing li- booze named after cryptid cryptids. And um, we, we were drinking all kinds of beers and IPAs and in, like near the end of it, we downed an entire bottle of Kraken. Hmm. And we were sloppy on that episode. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> But and that show was that show was a lot of fun. It was so stupid, and the and our facts were terrible. Like we would really do our research like an hour to thirty minutes before we'd record. That's awesome. <laughs> we're like, we just need enough facts that we can work them in, and then still be goofy as crap the entire yeah, time. You guys used to do that when you came over to my show too. <laughs> I was like, this, this, no, no, <laughs> this can't, this can't happen. Stop it. Well, I mean, we sort of, and I don't know how, but we had found a formula that kind of worked. Yeah. And I think, I think when we stopped doing that show, I think we had 60,000 subscribers. And we just decided one day that we just, we were out of material and we couldn't do it. Well, I mean, some things just come to an end, man. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Podcasts have a lifespan. Absolutely. Not infinite rabbit hole though. Don't don't worry. <laughs> Anybody who's coming over here from infinite rabbit hole, that's not happening. Well, I mean, some of them have the lifespan of a hamster, and some of them have the lifespan of a turtle. It just depends what what how how you work it, right? Um, Cryptotechnical had the lifespan of a hamster, and it was fun while it lasts, and it needed to go away. <laughs> I will be handing my show down to one or all of my children. This this will continue forever. <laughs> that's that's the, that's like the new that's like uh that's like the sourdough starter for you yeah 
Uh, this is daddy's legacy. One of you will get on this microphone. <laughs> All right, we'll haunt you. You will be haunted. <laughs> no. just, could you just imagine being a grown adult and the ghost of your father is like, you're like trying to take a shower and he's just like, record. <laughs> it doesn't look like recording. Oh, man. Good stuff, man. Yeah. That was well, fun. Jeremy. Yeah, no. And I, I'm so glad that we were able to end that on like a happier note because it was so serious and very dark. Um, but it's so important too. And, you know, it's important to realize that when we talk about things like living well, you know, and when the great philosophers were sitting around and, you know, Diogenes was in his bathtub and, you know, Pythagoras was contemplating whether or not we reincarnate and Aristotle was just like doing all the things he did. And he just said one day, you know, live well, you know, and, you know, when Descartes came out, yeah, Descartes, and uh, he said, uh, I think, therefore, I am. You know, all these great people, they weren't the happiest people either, you know, and they were they were going through a lot of similar stuff that we are now. You know, if we really think about, like, Rene Descartes, he was living in a time period where people just found out that they don't know everything, you know? Yeah. Um, up until that point, you know, humanity as a whole thought they had already had it all figured out and, and and we, and we didn't, and they were just learning that, that that's gotta be soul crushing. Like, man, I know everything. And you're like, you know, nothing. And it's like, Oh, that's news, you know? So, you know, when we learn about these figures and, and, you know, we see other people in our lives and especially like. Uh, a subject we touched back on in like the very first episode, I think. Oh no, with with Phil. So the second episode, the whole thing of social media, where people are able to falsify their realities, right? They're able to show us the the bright and sunny side, and very few really let us into the part where they're hurting. Very few uh, genuinely let us into the darker areas of their lives, uh, because typically we regard those as personal. And it's not something that we really share with people very often. We don't, as people in our culture, we don't share our pain. At least not in a genuine format. Um, so it's, 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 it's really important that if we're going to start to live well, we really need to learn how to handle and embrace those aspects of us that you know, almost broke us, but didn't. And that's where we have to start. And it's foundational. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. Said it good, dude. <laughs> well, man, do you want to, since I just went on that ta- uh, tangent, do you want to go ahead and use this time to actually talk about Infinite Rabbit Hole? Nah, man. Give nope. me a good plug. Let nah. us know where we can find you. I'm going to be on. I mean, just search it for rabbit hole on any podcast player. I really don't like going on other people's shows and pushing infinite rabbit hole, man. No, I mean, no. nah. I mean, I come on as Jeremy of the infinite rabbit hole. I'm a podcast. People know where to look for podcasts. Wait, it's I mean, you have a pretty, you had a pretty nice website. I peruse the website. Yeah. So I gotta, get to, I gotta put to, you on there. Don't I? I mean, you don't have to. Yeah, dude. Good. Yeah. But, dude. Anybody who wants to, uh, infinite rabbit hole.com is a thing. It's 
It's really well constructed. I think Jeremy did the whole thing himself too. So I, I did, and I know absolutely nothing about computers. That was the scariest <laughs> part about doing anything with podcasting is that mm-hmm. I'm not a very good computer person. Like CJ will tell you the the frustrations of teaching me how to edit. <laughs> you were uh, nowhere near the worst person I've ever taught that to. Yeah. And I've taught eight or nine people now the fundamentals of of uh like basic audio cleanup and editing. Well, the the reason why Infinite Rabbit Hole sounds so good is because of this guy right here. Oh, wow. Now you're just buttering me up. I appreciate yeah. you, though. Love you, buddy. I love you, too, man. Uh, well, everybody, uh, like Jeremy said before, you can reach out to us at philosophatalk at gmail.com. Uh, if you feel like hanging out in a group chat, we do have Mystery Stone Group on Facebook. And if you want to check that show out, uh, that's our mother show. And uh, yeah, besides that, I don't really have anything else. Any 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 last thoughts there, Jeremy? No, no, thanks, man. I appreciate it. This was this was a. It, it's not always the easiest or the funnest thing to talk about. I like the second half of this episode more than the first, uh, but the. Uh, the first half is probably the more important, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, if anybody needs help, get it, please go get it. It's there. It exists. Reach out to somebody. Somebody will help you. That's it. Yeah. And again, anybody who is dealing with that and struggling uh, with anything like we talked about today, I'm, I'm going to drop the uh, suicide hotline. Um, into the description at a minimum give it a call talk to somebody um, because you really you really have something worth living for maybe you don't know it yet but it's there and you just have to find it because at the end of the day you need to live well <laughs>